identity crisis, part number two. Here's what we uh, kind of drilled down on last week. Said, if you know who you are, you'll know what to do. If you know who you are, you will know what to do. We shared every person who's born of Christ, given your heart to Christ, you are in fact a Christ ambassador. And as a Christ ambassador, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you know what to do. When you need knowledge, you go to the Word of God. When you need help, you call on the Heavenly Father. As you're faithful to the Lord, because you know who you are as a follower of the Lord, you behave like a follower of Almighty God. This week, we'll talk about God's masterpiece. Every preacher had to start somewhere. I started my first message, sermon, devotional, whatever you call it, at at Northside Assembly of God in Winter Haven. I was a youth pastor there. And, uh, and so I preached my very first message or sermon or whatever you might want to call it back then. I preached it. The pastor called me up, said, Wayne, I think, I think you're ready to preach. And uh, I thought, man, oh, yes, sir. I've been looking for the opportunity. Can't wait. You know, Brother Clary, that was Charles Clary, who was a pastor. And I, I said, thank you so much. When I hung the phone up, I said, my Lord, what am I going to do now? That which you asked for has come at your doorstep. What am I going to do now? I thought, you know, I need to pray. I need to study. I thought if you just prayed and said, God, now listen, tell me what you want me to say. He didn't say a word, not a word. I had to read. I squirmed. I cried closer at God. I said, God, you got to do something here. Fill me up to overflowing. Finally, I got locked in on a message And so that Sunday night came. I remember I'm on the pulpit. I was dressed to the nines, baby. I was ready to go. Flaming evangelist is about to turn loose. And then I got sick to my stomach. (laughs) I'm in big trouble. I went into a maze. All, All I remember is the pastor saying, now, folks, tonight, Brother Wayne is going to come. He's our youth pastor, and he is coming to deliver the message. Let's give him a hand. They began to clap, and my feet would not move. I thought, I'm, I'm in a maze. I can't, I can't seem to move forward. The pulpit in those days, it was a little platform. The pulpit was, I don't know, like this side all the way over here. So you couldn't get around it and run. It covered the whole front of the stage here. I walked up to it, and I thought, what am I going to do now? And I said, God, here goes. Here goes. I, I opened my, my notes up, and I, I began to, I wasn't trying to be homiletical uh, correct. I, I didn't think about hermeneutics or anything. I just thought, God, it's Jesus. So I, I preached. I did what I thought every preacher ought to do. I preached. I shouted a little bit. I paused for a few moments. I quoted a few scriptures, and I thought, well, and I was sweating. My shirt was, was full of sweat. That's yard talk for perspiration. I got through I looked at the clock. I preached 15 minutes. Everything I had was all rolled up in one punch. It was 15 minutes long. Now, I know what some of you are saying. Why don't you go back to that first message and give us 15 minutes worth? I do. I give 15-minute doses. But it finally, finally ended. takes about 25 hours to get one message today together. You pray, you research, you study, you seek God, you read a lot. 
You, you check, you check, you just go through all of that. I had a pastor friend who his first church, he, he just, man, is out of, out of cemetery, I mean seminary, and um, got the first church, and he, he wasn't sure that he could even preach. He preached in classes, of course, and been judged by that. And it was a little church and where everybody had to stand at the back. There's only one door, and he stood at the back, and, and they would shake hands. And he said, you know, they come out and shake your hand and say, nice sermon, Reverend. Nice sermon, Reverend. He said they wouldn't even look, look at you. It was like their program elsewhere. And he said, I poured my life into that message, into that sermon. Nice sermon, Reverend. Nice sermon, Reverend. You stood there because I did that because that's what you were supposed to do. Shake hands and nice sermon, Reverend. Until this lady in her 80s walked up, said she reached her hand, took her hand. Felt like her hand was not connected to her arm. You know, it was just, just, you know, no muscle tissue whatsoever, you know. And she looked at me and she smiled and I thought, here goes another nice sermon. Not going to look at me, but she looked me square in the eye when I shook her hand. She said, nice try. Nice try. She said, if you keep trying and practicing, one day you'll be a preacher. He said, you can't. She did not know that before I preached, I threw up that morning. He said, I let her hand go. I turned and ran to my car, got in it, pulled it in the back of the church. And I, I, I sat there and wept and wept and wept and said, God, I'm done. I'm not called to be a preacher. I am through, he said. And that was it. And I, I finally had to come through until I decided they're counting on me the next Sunday. He said, I felt like a failure. He said, I didn't shake any more hands at all. I felt washed up. I felt like there is no place for me in the kingdom. All my education, it didn't work. It prepared me for failure. You know, there are a lot of people today in today's culture who may feel that way. Many people in the church who feel that way. They wonder and pray out, God, sometime it'd be nice if I could achieve some of the things that I see other people achieve just once, God. If just once you could do something good, that that would happen to me. Well, let me tell you, friend, first off, that there is something wrong with all of us. Turn to your neighbor, says something wrong with you. Go ahead at home, something wrong with you. Now, I'll qualify that in a moment. For those of you, you've been waiting to tell your husband that, you get a free ride here this morning. You get to tell him in church. Something wrong with you. As a matter of fact, listen carefully. Without Christ, there's something wrong with you. And I'll tell you what I mean according to the message. Ephesians 2 verse number 1. As for, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin. You know what? You know what Paul just said? There's about three things wrong with you. He said, number one, you are sinful. Number two, you are spiritually dead. And number three, you're an object of God's wrath. Wow. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin in which you were used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient 
all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Can you understand that there is no promise of God's protection on a person who continually rejects God? But out of God's love and mercy, He keeps His hand on your family, even though you are spiritually reckless. He's stating that human nature is sinful because there's sin in the world. Sin and God do not get along. In other words, God said, I don't, I don't allow sin, damage, or blemish in the kingdom of God. I love sinners just as you are. But once the revelation comes that you are in need of forgiveness, he said, I am ready to forgive you. But if you come to that revelation and you still turn to your wicked way and you follow your hard-hearted heart, I'm telling you, eventually the wrath of God will show up. You think about that. You see, sin in God is like gas and water, you wouldn't think about, I hope, unless you're a nut, taking a quart of water. And so I'm a little low on gas when I got to church and pour a quart of water in your gas tank and expect to get in that car and it worked. Hello? Yeah, well, wonder what's wrong with it. You poured water in gas. It doesn't work. Your whole system in your car doesn't function that way. You don't do that. And sin has no place in the life of a professing child of God. Paul writes, Ephesians 2, 4, but because, even though you're worthless, but because of his great love for us. Why? Because of his love. Say that with me. Because of his love. Say it out loud. Y'all come on. Because of his love. Well, I am pastor, but I got this crazy mask on. Masks have a purpose. You believe that? I don't know if they're born of God, but when someone says, without God, you're dead, they're absolutely right. Do you know why? Without God, you have no hope. Do you know that without God, you have no eternal future in heaven? Without God, your prayers have no power. I mean, that is the flat-out reality that, that culture does not want to deal with. And that it is not by your works, work away, roll your sleeves up, that we have God's grace and the privilege of being able to say, I'm a Christian. You see, we know that the only qualification is to know Jesus Christ and to be in love that we can say, I'm a Christian, I am a Christ ambassador. Here's a couple things. Without Christ, there's plenty wrong with us. And number two, with Christ, we have a new identity. We know who we are and we know what to do. A new identity when, behold, you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And as a result of knowing Him, when you know Him, you accept His love. You are God's masterpiece. Now listen carefully. Whether you're a believer or not, Every person was created by the hand of God. And every person has the potential of being a masterpiece in the hand of God. But I'm going to tell you what happens in just a moment. 
a masterpiece. I am a masterpiece. Say it with me. I am a masterpiece. Say it at home out there. Here we go. I am a masterpiece. But say, help me out with that. All right. Paul writes Ephesians 2, 8. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. Grace, God's grace, my faith to believe. And this not from yourselves. I couldn't do it on my own. It is the gift of God. God gave me salvation, not by works. I didn't have to work, play around with it. So that no one can boast. I can't boast and say, I was really good, so I have salvation. Or I made great grades, I've got salvation. No. For we are God's workmanship, created in Jesus Christ, to do good works. To do what God wanted us to do, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Prepared in advance. Oh, I can't wait to get to this point coming up pretty soon. By grace we have been saved through faith, not because of what we did. It is the gift of God. God gave you a gift. Lest you ever get bored in your salvation, remember it's a precious gift. Lest you get weary in well-doing, remember he died to be able to give you that gift. Lest you ever discount what that gift is, it is your gift to get into heaven of eternal life. Hello, that is the gift that gives your prayers power and authority. Don't misuse that gift. He said, not by some skills can we boast. It was the workmanship of Almighty God. And then notice, we are not saved by our good works, but we are saved for good works. God said, you're a masterpiece. I saved you for a purpose. Now get busy. Get out there and get busy. My dad used to say, hey, doing something, even if it's wrong, get going. Well, that, that didn't stand up in the Scripture. And I thought, well, okay, it's permission to do wrong, you know, better than sitting idle. But that's not what he meant, you know. Because, I mean, I, I, I would test the limit. Do you believe that? Do I have any friends out there that test the limit sometime? Okay, God, sure. Test the limit. But you know what he was saying? Don't sit idle, son. There's too much to do, too much of life to be enjoyed, too many challenges that you need to face. And when I became a minister and I really became endowed with the anointing of God, I thought, my Lord, every minute that we lose, somebody is dying and going to hell. And we don't have time to sit back and think about what we have done. We're saved to do the things that God has saved us to do. And we have no platform. When you know who you are as a Christ ambassador, as a believer in Jesus Christ, you know what to do. What do I want to do? It is my desire to do the will of the Heavenly Father and do what brings pleasure to God and the heart of God. So my behavior and everything that I do ought to bring pleasure to Almighty God. You agree? Amen. I see a bumper sticker. I see a lot of bumper stickers. Some of them sad. Some are shocked with this. This one is God don't make no junk. Whoever said it back there. God don't make no junk. God don't make any junk. You know, I've very seldom ever seen that sticker on a decent-looking car. <laughs> Most every time I've seen that sticker, it's on a car. The doggone fenders are flapping around. The front is doing this because the shocks are gone in it. Hello? You look underneath the car and you see feet pedaling because the engine doesn't run. God don't make no junk, but you put it on a piece of nothing of a car. Hello? 
You think, oh my, but the truth is, God doesn't make any junk. Amen? Everything is a perfect masterpiece to him. The Greek word for masterpiece means a beautiful poetic poem to the glory of God. It's a poetic statement of God's glory translated as tapestry. So here's what God does. He takes you, the basic model of creation, and he adds a little bit of personality, and he adds just a little bit of, of good looks, or he adds a little bit of talent and giftedness, adds a little bit of this, adds a little bit of that, adds a little bit of a daring spirit, etc. And then he puts you all together as a tapestry of God's creation. And, and the reality is, you know, there may be some up here who can sing and they do a great job. And you think, well, I'd like to have a voice like that. But you know what? There are things that you can do in God's creation they could not do. Are you listening to me? There are things that God God said, I wired you, I gave you a purpose, and that purpose is to do my will in the tapestry of creation. Not, not everybody, not, not everybody can look as good as Mark Hilton. How many know what I'm talking about? But you understand or give the gift of beautifully sitting down and playing the melodious tunes on the piano that he can play, you know. But on the other hand, there are a lot of people that have gifts and talents and abilities that he does doesn't have. And here's what uh, David said in Psalms. Oh, I get it. Here's what I do know. Psalms 139. For you created my innermost. You created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And when I showed up, you had big plans for me. God knew from the beginning you'd need your fanny spank. He's talking about every person. I'm a masterpiece created for a divine purpose. David said, I got it. Psalms 139, I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So here we are in the here and now. Now. Listen, try this on for size. Okay, try this on for size. Everything that's happened to you to date, God is using that for his purpose in your life tomorrow. You say, I had my heart broke. I've been kicked around. I was an alcoholic. I was on drugs. I went through a divorce or two. I've had a nervous breakdown. Listen, this is what God's saying to you. Don't discount those things. God said you can learn through them, given a testimony. But what God is saying to you in the here and now, at the beginning of time, I knew what I needed to permit in you to bring you to the place that I could use you for my honor and my glory. For my honor and my glory. So if you've been whining about what you've gone through where you've been or some tag the devil's put on you, shift that stuff back to hell from whence it came. 
and say, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am a masterpiece. I am a tapestry of God's power in God. Come on, if you're going to clap, let's put it together, friend. Here we go. The blessing of Almighty God. So here we go. As God's masterpiece, you're created for the purpose of Almighty God. Now that you realize my purpose, don't delay every day. Get up and get going for the economy of God. God waits on no one. So you know, okay, I know that God, you have a purpose for me from the beginning of time. I had no idea, but today I come to the realization I have a purpose and I am a masterpiece and you made no mistakes. And if you don't know God's purpose for your life, and you're not tuned into him, you will abuse the masterpiece God's created. If you're not a follower of Jesus Christ and you're hard-headed and you're messing things up and you've never humbled yourself, you will abuse your masterpiece. There have been many people that died way too soon because they abused the masterpiece. There are many people that got on that dead end track that God tried to get their attention over and over and over again by interruptions in their life and they paid no attention and as a result it led them to a dead end that eventually took their lives either drugs or alcohol or whatever the case or they killed someone else and serving the rest of their life in some penitentiary somewhere. Why they abused it. They didn't listen to God. God's masterpiece, you have everything you need to accomplish God's purpose. You have everything that you need to accomplish God's purpose. Here we are, Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. He, his divine power has given us everything. Say everything. We need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him, through him who called us by his own glory and his own goodness. I have everything I need to step to the plate to become the person that God wanted me to be. I preached that first message, 15 minutes, it's over. I thought, Lord, have mercy. Thank you, Jesus. It's over. And then another opportunity came. I said, wait a minute, God. I suffered enough the first time. And even today, even today, Today, Dan will say, are you ready? Every Sunday morning, I said, I'm getting there. Because I never know what God's going to say or God's going to do. Did you study? You better believe it. Did you put your best foot forward? Absolutely. Well, you could just lean on your experience. It doesn't work that way. You have to have the anointing of the Holy Spirit to say it's God speaking through us. But when God called Moses, hey, Moses, I want you to deliver the children of Israel. Hey, God, you know, I appreciate you using that bush. Where's that propane burner at you're using on that bush? Doesn't seem to be burning up, you know. It's some kind of a fire. God said, I want you to get your shoes off, son. But listen, I'm not a speaker. I'm not a leader. Matter of fact, I'm a felon, and I'm running. I've been running for years. I've never done that before. You got the wrong guy. I've got a record. You want me to go back in enemy territory where I, where I murdered a guy and you want me to go back there? And all of a sudden God says, oh, Moses, I'm so sorry. I forgot all about that. 
You think God said that? No. From the beginning of time, God knew every step that Moses had taken, and God waited for this moment to say, now is the time. But God, I won't go unless you're with me. I'm with you. I will never leave you. I won't forsake you. Get your bags and let's go. Well, there's some would say, well, I'm not a Moses. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a, I'm not a speaker. I'm, I'm not a singer. I stutter. They actually downplay their abilities in this tapestry of a masterpiece. And God said, hey, have you forgotten? I took the old things that were inferior and I got rid of those. And behold, you became a new creature with a brand new anointing in your life. Now I told you, I've given you everything that you need to have to do what I ask you to do. Now get on with it. And number three, God uses everything in your life to bring about his purpose. Everything. Everything in your life bring about his purpose. What does that mean? He said, you're the clay, I'm the potter. Remember Jeremiah? He said, hey, you're on the potter's wheel. Let's go. He's going to shape you. He's going to move with you. He's going to create that express beautiful instrument in his hand. In his hand. Paul writes in Romans 8, 28, okay, I understand. Now I grasp that. For in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. That resonate with you? That says, hey, my Lord, have mercy. Here's the bonus check you've been waiting on because you were faithful to do what God wanted you to do. You've stayed on the wheel. And God, now here's your bonus check. Or here's your ticket on that airplane. Here's the words you've been longing to hear. I love you. Why? Because I invested in you. So you can't leave here feeling like you're any junk justifiably. You cannot leave here and realistically say, I'm not worth anything. You cannot leave here, nor can you watch online and say, I just don't have the goods. The Heavenly Father said, oh no, I created you as a masterpiece. I've taken every failure, every difficulty, every mistake, every mess you've ever made. I've rolled it up and there's still an anointing in it. Get up and let's go and get the job done. How many of you enjoy your life? Amen. How many like to have fun? My car, every, every Sunday morning when I get here, security's there waiting on me. I get here from 10 minutes till 6 to 10 minutes after 6. Well, D, who is the chief of security here, he's cold all the time. I mean, my Lord, it, it may be like this morning. I don't know what degree it felt like. It was 90 degrees, but he's cold all the time. D, what you got on all that coat for? Well, I was coming from McDonald's. And I got here, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me at the four-way stop up here and said, turn on the air conditioning as cold as you can get it. Take all the vents and put them right on you. Push the seat to air condition. I cranked that baby up. I was chilling by the time I got here because I drove extra slow. Usually I see how fast I can get here from that four-way stop to here.
D got in there. Oh, he's about to get chilled. You know, how, how many know you have to make your own fun sometime? Did you really do that to that poor man? Yeah, and I might do it again. I told Laura, who was there with him, I said, that's what I did. You really did that, Pastor? Hey. <laughs> See, in your life, as a masterpiece of God, I want to be the best I can be. But that doesn't mean I have to be somebody I'm not. Amen? Amen? Somebody I'm not. I'm just going to get in the groove and be who I am and do what God wants me to do. Well, you remember Joseph? Sure you do. Joseph. Joseph was hated by his brothers. He had on that beautiful coat. Had on that beautiful coat, and yet his brothers hated him. What did they do? They sold him into slavery. Sold him into slavery, went to Potiphar's household. His wife said, hey, Joe, Joe is making a move on me to her husband, Potiphar. Put him in prison. He did nothing wrong, but there was still an anointing on Joseph in the prison. Joseph put on the potter's wheel. But in the scripture, you'll never find where old Joseph complained not one time. Not one time. Well, he rocked on. God gave him the ability to be able to interpret dreams. He interpreted some, the baker and the, and, and the butler. They all, they all you, know, uh, you, you know their story. But finally, Joseph came out of that prison. And when he interpreted a dream for old Mr. Pharaoh, though Joseph's brothers ceased to be, have any notoriety whatsoever, Joseph rose in popularity and notoriety that by the time the famine hit. Joseph is in second chair beside Pharaoh. And then comes his brothers. Joseph recognized them. They were not able to recognize him. And Joseph didn't have an attitude that had been built up because he was a Christ ambassador. He knew, hey, that's not how Christ ambassadors, that's not how you react. You don't get a bad attitude. When you get overlooked, you don't let it bother you. You take it to Jesus, and you leave it there. And when they came, he began to weep so loudly, he cleared out his area and had that relationship with his brothers. And this is what he said. Even though you rejected me, God prepared me for this moment to feed my family and to feed you. Come on, brothers, let's enjoy the fellowship of one another. Now, listen, some of you have been through some hard places. I've been with some people who's gone through some hard places. But like Joseph, Joseph said, hey, every day of my life has been planned out by God. And since every day has been planned out by God, I'm just going to be faithful to what my calling is. I'm going to be a masterpiece. I'm going to be a nurse. I'm going to be a health care provider. I'm going to be a director to a, to a nurse training school. I'm going to be a professor. You know what? I'm going to be all of those things. And I'm going to believe that God is going to use me wherever I'm at. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. That's step number one. Now we are on our feet. Step number two is put your hands together and let's thank God, shall we?
Heavenly Father, I thank you today. I delivered my heart to this precious congregation to the best of my ability. You do that in fear and trembling. You lean on your own talents and giftings and say, God, you're going to have to rev it up a little bit and help. But here's what I know. There's some people that this message just climb right on their shoulder. Right on their shoulder and said, hey, this message is for you. It's to encourage you. It's to strengthen you. Or the Holy Spirit sitting on that shoulder saying, now it's time for you to get right. You need to get rid of your proud, haunting way and humble yourself and ask Jesus once and for all to be the Lord of your life. The Holy Spirit is saying, just trust me. You may not know what the next step is, but if you just follow me, I'll make it real to you when you get there. It's what I want. So I'm going to ask all of us to repeat this prayer together. Those of you at home, if you can say it out loud beautifully with your family or say it underneath your breath. Let's repeat it. Here we go. Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. I ask you for forgiveness. I need your touch. I need your spirit that resides in me. Use me. Create in me a perfect heart. Use my life as you choose. God, I've made a mess of things. I've done things wrong. I've made bad choices. Even though I knew I was doing it, I still made the wrong decision. But you rescued me. So right now, I want you to take my hand, Lord. And lead me where you desire for me to go. God, I've got some challenges in my life. I need you to help me through those. I'm not asking to go over them. But I am believing we'll go through them. And you will receive honor and glory. I am so ready to be the person that brings pleasure to your heart. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You prayed that prayer. Those of you, the connection card in the pew in front of you, those that are watching online in the comments section, just let us know. Let us know. Let's believe God together. We're going to sing one more chorus. I I can't wait till Wednesday night. But next Sunday, we're going to talk about being an overcomer. And I'm already pumped up, ready for you to come on back, everybody. Let's enjoy this moment together, shall we? Come on, can we declare it together? Your goodness is running. Your goodness is running out. It's running.